Welcome to Ghostly. Do Jack the Ripper and his victims still haunt this world? As always, we're your host. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. So for our new listeners, we'd like to take a quick second and tell you about Ghostly. Uh, Ghostly is a podcast that comes out every other week. And in each episode, we take a ghost story or paranormal event. Sometimes, you know, we do the paranormal stuff. And we look into its complete history. Rebecca then gives us evidence proving that the story is real-ish. Real? And my job is to then debate those pieces of evidence. So you, the listener, are prepared to vote on if it's real or not. So thank you for giving us a listen. We hope that we do good enough job. We hope that we do a good enough job to get you to subscribe and listen to even more. If you're watching this on Facebook and you're actually seeing the video, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below and and also hit that little bell button so Mm -hmm. you find out every time we post an episode. So Rebecca, I know that these times are crazy. So what have you been up to? Uh, a lot of this, a lot of Zoom. Uh, I think yeah, that's probably right. everybody right now because we're all separate from each other and trying to, you know, maintain social distance. So oh, a sure. Lot of... And pardon our audio quality because yeah. we are doing this over Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so a lot of Zoom. I um, But the fun thing that I did this last week, if you guys haven't seen it yet, is I did a bedtime story for yeah. our mostly listeners. Um, I read some Edgar Allan Poe, uh, and I have found uh, a, a bunch of different uh, ghost stories uh, and poems and different things that I'm going to try to start start doing. So, you know, again, if you're on that YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you're yeah. not on our YouTube channel yet, definitely make sure you go hit subscribe. So then you will see those uh, bedtime stories. Yeah, and you could just find us on YouTube by doing a search for Ghostly Podcast or go to YouTube.com slash Ghostly Podcast. Yeah. So what have you been up to, Pat? Oh, my God. Um, What haven't you been up to? uh, (laughs) uh, Well, okay. So, I mean, I'm still working. You're still working. Yeah, I'm still working full time. You got it. Yep. Yeah. So, um, but I work in IT, so I am like four times busier than I've ever been because everybody's working from home. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we just recorded our last episode of The Walking Dead for a while, as The Walking Dead won't be airing their season finale right now due to all that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. Yep. And uh, I've had the honor of being the co-host of the last two episodes of one of my favorite shows, which is Bob After Dark. Have you ever heard of it, Rebecca? Uh, I, you know, I may have heard of it. <laughs> you might have been on there before. I might have. And also, I've been helping out uh, with a new podcast with Memoriam Development called Memoriam Incubator. So Memoriam Incubator is a place where we experiment with new podcast concepts or ideas. And recently, we've been trying a very fun idea. It's called Fumbling Dice. So what it is, it's like a Dungeons and Dragons podcast that is aimed at people who have never played Dungeons and Dragons before. And we use characters from TV shows and uh, movies and such. And I've been playing Little Orphan Annie. (laughs) Of course, right? Because I look like Little Orphan Annie. Absolutely. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's been so much fun. I actually think it'd be great for people that do play D and D because it's just. I mean, I think it's both. I think it works for both audiences because if you play D and D, then you kind of get that. Uh, it's just another la- layer of understanding how silly it is to to yeah. hear these <laughs> these fictional characters playing this game. Well, our dungeon master uh, Cal, mm-hmm. they've played. Uh, you know, Dungeon Dragons before. So, yep. I mean, that's, some real that's stuff it, behind though. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you want to check that out, you can find it by searching for Memoriam Incubator wherever you listen to podcasts at. So, Rebecca, do you want to do a shout out to our new members? Yeah. So, I don't know uh, if you guys have heard yet, but we have a new uh, subscription or uh, not really a subscription thing, but it's uh, buy me a coffee right? Buymeacoffee.com. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we have two new members um, that have signed up to um, subscribe, uh, Maria M. and Rachel H.W. H.W., yeah. H.W. <laughs> um, so on, uh, on Buy Me a Coffee, uh, we have it set up where you can give us $5 a month or $50 a year. And we are constantly adding rewards to this program. So yeah. can you explain I- what we've got right now? Sure. So currently our members will find out all of our future episodes planned. Uh, so I think we sent them six planned episodes last time that That's you know, how far they know what's going to be coming. Out, guys. We try <laughs> at least. Uh, they also get a shout out on an episode. So this is their shout out. Shout out. out. And uh, their episode ideas don't go to the bottom of our list because our list keeps growing of episodes mm-hmm. we want to do. They get added to the top. I mean, we still decide if we're going to, like, if we want to do that episode. And most of the time we will because we're into, you know, spooky stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they get added to the top of our list. And uh, we just added a brand new reward, which we need to figure out scheduling with them. Mm-hmm. But we want to do a monthly meet and greet over Zoom. I sounded really Southside there. Meet and greet. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it's Zoom is the, is the, the thing, uh, yeah. but because you're in IT, you know how to secure it right so nothing crazy happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but we're, we're really looking forward yeah. to doing the meet, meet and greet with, um, with them. So yeah. you know, hopefully, you know, you come on board and join us. We would love to have you. Mm-hmm. And we're adding more rewards as we go, too. So Absolutely. that's just a start to it. Yes. So, Rebecca, do you have any listener mail this time? Uh, I have listener mail. This is listener mail that I have been saving for a while because it is so good that I I just, uh, it's so scary, guys. I. Why don't I know about this then? I don't know, but I've been okay. I've been waiting because this is going to take us a few episodes. I'm going to think I think at least three, uh, but we'll see. Uh, and again, I don't know if we'll do it three in a row, but just you know, we'll see how how it all goes. But this is a spooky, spooky story. Um, okay. So if you've got a spooky story, I want it. All right. Um, so this is from a listener. We're going to call MJ. Uh, this Michael Jordan? It's no. Michael Jordan. <laughs> it is not. Oh, Michael uh, Jackson. Wait, he's. Oh, he's ghost? Pass. Ghost Michael Jackson? This is a scary story that really happened to somebody. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) All right, so here it is. It all started at the house on Ford. We had moved in to 1903, a two-bedroom, one-bathroom place in July of 2015. We had moved into this new place in preparation for introducing our son into the family. The house was built in 2005. 
Shortly after moving in and getting everything squared away, I started to get some weird feelings throughout the house, especially towards the back of the house. Walking past the back door, there would be what would feel like someone or something that just stands there. It felt, it just felt heavy aura there. And when you would walk away from that area of the house, the feeling would disappear. Every time I had to go to the back of the house, I would rush around and hurry back to the hallway, to the bedrooms, or to the living room. This was a constant feeling I would have. I would try to explain the feeling to my husband, and he didn't initially believe me. It wasn't until one night when we were getting ready for bed, he finally uh, started to believe what I was saying. On that night, there my husband was, laying in bed, in the dark with the TV on. He was checking his phone when he looked up and started to talk out loud. I heard heard him talking and went into the room and flipped on the light and asked him who he was talking to. He said he was talking to me, that I was standing at the foot of the bed. Wow. Yeah. All right, I'm going to add a little bit more. Once our son got a little older, we had gotten him a Sheriff Woody doll, complete with drawstring. Oh. That's he awesome. Loved, I know. He loved playing with that doll and would constantly play with it. Soon the battery started to die out and the sound that it would make was something from a nightmare. Eventually we had to turn it off because we thought it would scare him with it dying. And honestly, we were getting annoyed with the thing constantly going off. One day uh, I was home alone with my son. Something odd happened. My son was sleeping in his crib and started hearing something that sounded distant. Thinking that the noise was coming from outside, I had just shrugged it off. Then I had heard something fall in my son's room and went to go check to see what was going on. I go into the room and see that my son is still asleep in his crib. I turn and see that in the middle of the room was the Sheriff Woody doll. I thought to myself, that was in his closet. There is no way that could be in the middle of the room. My son started to wake up, so I picked him up and go to take him to the living room. As we get into the living room, we hear there isn't room for the two of us. Sorry, there isn't, there isn't room here for the two of us. I went to the door of his room and shut it until my husband came home from work. <laughs> wow. To be continued, I'm telling you guys, that's actually the, like, that's just the beginning. That is actually kind of some of the, I want to say the least freaky because it's really freaky. It gets freakier. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like that cowboy thing, you know, mm-hmm. there ain't right. room for both of us in this town. Exactly. This yeah. here town. Yeah, this, here, <laughs> this here place that we call a town <laughs> that I'm a sheriff of. <laughs> so do we have a, I, I thought I saw a new review come in, right? We did get a, a really great review. Um, awesome. People have been so nice over the, the last year plus that we've been doing the show. Yeah. Uh, so we thought we'd, we'd read one of our, uh, our latest ones from, um, I think, just a couple of days ago. Uh, it says, awesome show, five stars. Uh, I thought I had rated this months ago. It's such a great show. I love the content, format, and hosts. Please, oh, sorry, keep up the great work. Uh, heart and oh, oh, I see why you wanted me to read this. P.S. One hundred percent team skeptic. Oh, uh, I yeah. like it even I, more. I, I see why you wanted me to uh, read that. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, nah, that's fine. That's not the reason. It's because we got a review and we need to start reading reviews so that we entice people to write <laughs> more reviews. That's the whole concept. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So we could skip the polls this week. I'm no, sure, no, so. no. We have to get to the polls. I th- uh, I'm sure you want to get to the polls. This was our topsy-turvy oh, episode. The microclimate episode. Yeah. I want to hear what people had to say. Yeah. All right. So in our last, wait, should you read the poll since it's kind of a carryover from when we flipped roles last time? Well, I want to give you enough mic time. So Okay. Okay. So in our last episode, we asked the question, is some paranormal evidence really just microclimates? And the listeners voted. They said 60, uh, 67% said yes. And 33% said no. Wait, they said yes. They said yes. So I won. I think you did. I'm actually surprised we had 33% wow. saying no. <laughs> I voted <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> you voted yes? Yeah, what? this is one of those times. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you so much for doing that. So, <laughs> wow. So I won. I don't even know what to do with myself. Uh, well, you'll don't worry. I'm sure it won't, won't last too long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're finally ready to get into the episode. And this is going to be about Jack the Ripper. Not to be misunderstood with Jack the Tripper from Three's Company. (laughs) Come and knock on the door. door. (laughs) So we we are really excited about this topic. We've been, uh, you know, messaging and talking to each other a lot about the findings that we've had. And we're so excited about this. Yeah. Um, So we've talked about doing this episode before. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to wait until just the right time. Well, that time is right now. You got it. So we are all just stuck inside, not doing too much. <laughs> so hopefully you can throw on your ear pods and go for a nice little walk and listen to what we got to say about this mysterious serial killer or killers. Oh, there you go. Maybe yeah, I mean this plural. this is going to be a long episode, so uh, you yeah. know, settle in or break it up into a couple parts, but it's going to be a lot to keep you and your mind busy. Absolutely. It's been keeping <laughs> me busy doing the research for this. Me I've too. been loving this. There's so much that I didn't know mm-hmm. and I thought that I knew. Yeah. So we should point out though before we begin this that this episode might not be for everybody. Yeah. Because it's going to be pretty graphic with details. There's not much that I I could do about that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I tried, you know, not making it so graphic, but unfortunately it was really brutal killing. So Mm -hmm. it's a brutal story for sure. Yeah. So Jack the Ripper's victims were all women too. So this may be a trigger to some of our listeners, Uh, I just want to urge you to please take caution listening to this episode. And if you have a sensitivity to any of these things, you may want to stop. And also, um, we don't know your particular children, but you may want to vet out this episode before letting children hear it. Yes. So, all right. Okay. Giving them enough time to stop the audio now if they want to and if you want to proceed rebecca do you have a ghost story for us of course all right excellent i can't wait okay so we've all heard the story of jack the ripper i mean he's infamous but never did i think i would be part of the story myself 
My boyfriend and I were visiting London and having an amazing time. The sites are so old compared to the States where we think something that's 50 years old is old. And the pubs are fantastic. One afternoon, we were walking around the city and we decided to check out Mitre Square since we heard it was the site of one of the Ripper murders. Well, it took us much longer to get there than we thought, so it was actually dark by the time we got there. It's small and really easy to miss, but we finally saw a sign that told us we found it. We had just sat down on a bench to rest a minute when I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. When I turned my head, I saw a dark figure running from the square. I swear we hadn't seen anyone when we got there. My boyfriend then pointed at something in the corner where the figure had been running from. With my, when my gaze followed his finger, I saw it. It looked, it looked like a pile of rags, but then it moved. I gasped, and we immediately got up to go see what it was, worried that maybe someone had been attacked, though how we could not have heard something, I don't know. As we got closer, it was clearer that this pile of rags was actually a woman in distress. Just then, some teenagers walked by laughing. We instinctively looked at them, definitely in fight or flight mode at this point. Seeing no danger from them, I looked back to the woman, but I was brought up short. She was gone, completely gone. No one was there. Now, my boyfriend thinks she must have got up and run away, but there's no way. She could not have gotten up and gotten past us without us seeing her. And she didn't climb up the walls she was facing. No, I, I know what I saw. The ghost of Jack the Ripper and his victim stuck in the endless loop of a violent act no one can forget. Wow. So is this story true? This is a true story. I mean, obviously, oh, wow. you know, I made it more of a story. But yes, this is, this is a story that someone claims has happened wow. to them. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but something like that happened to me before. Oh, oh. Yeah, this is getting into my creepy side. Okay. But maybe now what you think. Uh, I was <laughs> by um, one of the casinos in Joliet. You've been to those, right? Nope. Oh, you've never gone to the Joliet ones? No. Um, well, I mean, where it's at, though, there is a there's a homeless population around there. And uh, I didn't think about it. And I was across from the casino. There was a place to walk around. And I was hanging out with some friends. And we were running around doing stuff. I don't know, whatever we were doing. And uh, I went to go sit on this bench. But mm -hmm. there was uh, like a pile of rags there. Mm. And so I moved over to the side of the bench, you know, and I sat down. And all of a sudden it moved. And mm. he asked me for a quarter. Oh, it was it was a homeless guy. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't Jack the Ripper. But he didn't disappear, though. Uh, I think he went back to sleep. Okay. <laughs> okay. So maybe kind of he became rags again. Oh. <laughs> Did All you right. So, no, I didn't give him a quarter. Unfortunately, I think I lost <laughs> big at the boat. That's the reason ah. why I wasn't wasn't in there. So. <laughs> I didn't have a quarter to spare. There you go. So maybe we should take a break before yeah. we get into the really long history part. Okay, let's do it. All right. Hey, guys. 
What I've learned over the last couple years is the key to a really good podcast is two things, getting plenty of Apple podcast reviews and lots of caffeine. You can help us with both of those. Head over to Apple Podcast, write us a review, and if you feel up to it, you could even buy us a cup of coffee. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash ghostlypodcast or just go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on the Buy Us Coffee. You can sign up for a membership or a one-time donation to us. It would really be appreciated. All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, it's time for us to jump into the history. And this is, this is going to be a little different than what we usually, usually do for the history segment uh, because we don't really know who Jack the Ripper was. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, it's not like H.H. H. Holmes or something where we. Exactly, knew where we who actually was. had somebody. Yeah. yeah. But we can speculate, and there is time in this segment to do that. But in the end, we don't know who did it. I mean, ultimately, it's always going to be a mystery. Yeah. Um, So there may be some stuff added to the history section that wouldn't normally be added here. Fair enough? Fair enough. Let's do it. All right. So let's talk about the area. So this is the Whitechapel murders that we're going to be talking about, which is Jack the Ripper, you're going to find out that there's a lot of murders that happened, murders that happened during that time. Um, But they all happened between April 1888 and February 1891. So some of these are attributed to Jack the Ripper, but there's speculation of all of them during this time frame. Okay. Uh, One of the things that I find that helps me the most when talking about history, though, is to fully understand the time period that it took place under. Mm -hmm. And since we've never done a United Kingdom full episode, uh, it's important that we talk about some things that, you know, I mean, like I've given time periods for similar time frames, but we've never talked about in the United Kingdom. Right. No, we've always talked about the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So they're their timing is going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So the United Kingdom's monarch at the time was Queen Victoria and Grover Cleveland was the president of the U S the first four wheel gas driven cars in Britain. They weren't even produced until 1892. One year after the, or no, actually that would have been, Oh yeah. One year after the last possible white chapel murder. Okay, so no cars. There were no cars, definitely. And it wasn't until 1900 that Parliament passed granting rights to to the power companies. So there was no electricity. The streetlights were gas lamps that needed someone to actually light them. Uh, These lamps didn't have the same lumens as modern-day streetlights. So compared to today's lighting, they barely emitted a flicker. And standing directly underneath one of them, you you couldn't see much and might as well be in the dark. Scary. Right? So now we have, there's no cars Mm -hmm. and it's dark, right? Yeah. So there also was no DNA evidence. I mean, that's... Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) No. There was no DNA evidence available in the courtrooms and 
they didn't even use blood type evidence, which is saying that, you know, I'm B positive. Mm-hmm. So um, they use this in the OJ case, uh, you know, where he was B positive too. So who knows? I'm just saying, you know, could have been you. Is it? I, maybe I'm not, I'm not going to admit oh, anything at this moment. <laughs> spooky. Yeah. And it happened on my birthday too. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of craziness. Um, but they didn't even use that. So that would be like saying that, okay, we found a drop of blood and the, it was blood type B positive, And that's one out of every 12 people. Mm-hmm. So we don't even have that to go by. Uh, and they wouldn't even use that in the UK until at least 1907, mm. probably more like 1910. Wow. And one last thing about evidence, fingerprints weren't even used as evidence until 10 years after the Whitechapel murders. Wow. So they had nothing. They much. had nothing. So pretty much. <laughs> uh, so if you could think of how someone can get away with killing three to 11 people in the streets of Whitechapel. Well, I mean, like if you think of it now. I mean, when there's a murder, usually they figure out they have all these suspects. Mm-hmm. Well, unless someone saw them do it, you wouldn't have any idea who killed someone. It was or, dark. Yeah. Oh, it was dark and you couldn't rely on much physical evidence after the crime actually took place. I mean, like even but and I'm sure like even if you knew who it was just because, well, hey, this person had motive, opportunity, yeah. whatever. It would still be hard to prove that you couldn't prove it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So in order for us to understand what happened, we have to take a look at a couple of things first. Uh, So one of them is the location of these murders. It was in Whitechapel. Whitechapel is a district in eastern in the eastern part of London. It sounds beautiful. It does. And it is now. It is now. Okay. Uh So Whitechapel is a district in the eastern part of London. Whitechapel was an area known for its poverty and unsavory behavior then. Ah, so immigrants arriving to London during this time would usually start off in Whitechapel and they would try to work on the nearby docks and factories. Um, It's a lot different than what it is now. Now it's like the cool part of London uh, Mm. where you can see a lot of street art and there's a lot of galleries and stuff. Gotcha. So it's it's different. Mm hmm. Uh, Also, the Great Famine of Ireland happened between 1841 and 1851. I know that's 30 years, um, you know, before all this happened. But a lot of the very poorest of the Irish fled to different parts of the world to get away from all these deaths and to and to have a chance at starting over. And while a lot of them came to America, uh, actually, we have more Irish living here in America than they do in Ireland which is really weird. Well, um, so, I mean, now they're American, but you know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, we always say we have bigger St. Patrick's Day or something like that. Oh, yeah. But yeah. the absolute poorest of the poor could not afford to come all the way to America. So they went to England instead. Mm. And most of them ended up in Whitechapel. But it wasn't just during the famine that Irish immigrants fled Ireland. In fact, in 1840, Ireland was at its high, highest population. But by 1900, it had only half as many people living there. Wow, that's extreme. Right? Wow. So it's good to know these kind of things when we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Also, in 1882, which is getting close to this time, a lot of Russians and Jewish people living in Russia fled to other countries to escape 
the economical depression that was forming over there. And this led to a lot more people being in Whitechapel during the 1880s. Okay. So now that's right in our time period. So you have to imagine it was extremely overcrowded. And that just meant that there wasn't as, men, as much work to be found um, on the docks and in the factories. And this led to a lot of housing problems as well. Uh, it really put a big divide between the wealthy and the poor. There was no middle class at this time because of that, or very little middle class, if mm. there was any. So Whitechapel was definitely the poor part of town. Yeah, but it had outskirts of more wealthy people. Okay. Yeah. So it was so bad in the east end of London that upwards of 55% of the babies born in this area died before the age of five. Wow. And just think that was like less than 200 years ago. It was, yeah. 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 It's crazy. Yes. Um, so a lot of women in the area turned to the oldest profession. I know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, not that I've done it. I just. Oh, okay. (laughs) Not that you're willing to admit on ghostly at least, right? Well, there's a story I used to teach my students called Mrs. Warren's Profession. And I used to always ask my students, I'm like, so I'm only going to give you one guess as to what Mrs. Warren's profession was. And they always got it right. (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice. I used to tell a stupid joke. Um, What do you. Uh, what do you call somebody that that accepts um, Italian meals for for sexual favors? A wow. prostitute. Ah. Uh, bum There you. That's go. the corniest of the corny jokes. That's that's a pat joke. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in October of 1888, which is you know right in this time. London's Metropolitan Police Service estimated that there were 62 brothels and 1,200 women working as prostitutes in Whitechapel alone. Oh, wow. And there were 8,500 people living in the 233 common lodging houses of Whitechapel every night. That's insane. So there's only 233 houses or lodging areas, and these were like single-person dwellings and 8,500 people crammed into those 233. They were like rooms, you know, you could like rent a room. Uh, It cost four pence to stay there each night. Hmm. And they also had a bunch of these things called lean to, they called them lean to rope structures. (laughs) Um, They were, they were half the cost um, you know, half mm-hmm. of the four pence. So mm-hmm. two pence, is it? I don't know. I guess. Four yeah. pence the, uh-huh. I don't know. Um, so what these were though, they were structures, uh, in like an A-frame. So those watching the video can see they're right. Like, like right here. Like a wall. Where there's something, yeah, something in the back. So there's nothing in the front right here. Right. Where they would go to. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, and there was no floors, no doors, no floors. So they were hanging? Uh, no, they were like, like if you could imagine a teepee with one side cut off, that okay. was the doorway going in. Okay. Yeah. Wow. On November 13th, 1887, that's when Bloody Sunday took place. This was in London and was a protest about unemployment and a suspension of habeas corpus by parliament 
in the protection of Pearson, or of, excuse me, Protection of Person and Property Act of 1881. So this allowed for internment without trial of those suspected of involvement in the land war in Ireland. And the provisions could be introduced by the proclamation of the Lord Lieutenant of Ireland in any area of the island. So that meant that they could just take over anybody's land that they wanted to. Huh. So this march was organized by Social uh, Democratic Federation, which is a little bit more socialist, um, and the Irish National League. And it became known as Bloody Sunday because it, because it erupted into violence. And there was a report that 400 people were arrested and 75 people were seriously injured, including police. Two police officers were stabbed and one of the protesters was, was bayoneted. Wow, that's old school. That is old school. Now, okay, so, so things were happening in Ireland, but they were protesting it in London because a lot of the Irish live there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And because it was under English law, too. Oh, sure. Gotcha. Yes. Parliament okay. is the one that actually enacted that. Gotcha. Okay, okay. So we have a lot of stuff going on at this particular time. Mm-hmm. But also during this time period in London, there was a lot of anti-Semitism. There was a lot of crime. There was a lot of nativism. There was a lot of racism. There was a lot of social disturbance and severe uh, deprivation influenced or that influenced public perception that Whitechapel was a notorious den of immorality. Mm-hmm. So it was the perfect place for a Jack the Ripper to consume the media. They okay. they ate up these stories about because they just assumed that's how everybody was there because they're all poor they're all bad they're all fighting well they needed stuff. someone to blame for every single thing sure. and Jack the Ripper was a brutal killer mm-hmm. and so they a lot of times you know you're going to hear that they that he was anti-Semitic there's no there's only one bit of proof that and that's depends on how you take it and we're going to talk about that a little bit Mm -hmm. but we don't know exactly why he did it Mm -hmm. we can we can suspect things but the media portrayed all of these things they said he was irish they said he was anti-semitic they said he was a bunch of things yeah when you don't know then you can put anything on that absolutely and then blame it for every single problem that there was yeah so Jack the Ripper was also known as the Whitechapel murderer or the leather apron. That's terrifying. I've never heard that. Yeah. The leather apron. The leather apron. That's okay. So there were 11 murders that happened to women in that time between April 3rd, 1881 and February 13th, excuse me, April 3rd, 1888 and February 13th, 1891. Okay. Um, these were all included in the Whitechapel murderer case and they were all examined and it depends really on who you ask, which of these 11 were the work of Jack the Ripper or not. Hmm. It's hard to say for sure, as we don't know who Jack the Ripper was and really can only speculate as to the motive of these murders. What we can say though, and what we do know is that Jack the Ripper had a way of killing his victims that mm. leaves us a little evidence as to which murders he or maybe she is responsible for. Okay. 
You never heard that before, have you? I have not. Mm. It there is Jill the Ripper. Jill the Ripper. All right. There is. I swear to you, I let's, found some let's evidence. Let's dive into this. I'm ready. All right. So Jack the Ripper's victims were all women and all known prostitutes. So I'm going to go through all 11, but I will give my opinion. Maybe Rebecca could chime in too, as far as if we believe that they were from Jack or not. Okay. So we're going through the victims. Let's do it. We're going through the victims. So okay. Elizabeth Smith is the first one. She was robbed and sexually assaulted in Whitechapel on April 3rd, 1888, and a blunt object was inserted into her vagina. Okay. So what do you think? You think that's Jack the Ripper's MO? It does not sound like him. No. This doesn't seem to match Jack the Ripper's modus operandi. That was she killed? She was killed, yeah. Okay. These are all murders okay. that we're talking about. Gotcha. So they're all dead. Well, definitely they're all dead now. I'm just going to say that. Yes. <laughs> so then there's Martha uh, Tabram. She was murdered in, well, they believe she was murdered in George Yard, which is Whitechapel, on August 7th, 1888. She had 39 stab wounds to her throat, lungs, heart, liver, spleen, stomach, and abdomen with additional knife wounds inflicted to her breast and vagina. She was not raped, too. So, what do you think? You think that was Jack? Now, see, that sounds more like what I've heard from Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I was thinking that. I, I haven't I, heard the name before, but... I do not feel that that this was Jack. I, I, I don't... It probably wasn't Jack. Okay. Or if it was, it was Jack learning how to murder mm. the way that he wanted to murder, I guess. Okay. Uh, the reason I say this, though, is that her throat was not slashed. As you'll see in the next five, also her abdomen was not exposed. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So then we have Mary Ann Nicholas. Nichols. Nichols. Yep. Nichols. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Um, now, okay, so we are now going into what they call the canonical five. Okay. These are five murders that seem to have a lot in common and are mostly believed to be the work of Jack the Ripper. Okay. The first one is Marianne Nichols. Uh, her body was discovered at about 3.40 a.m. on Friday August 31st, 1888, in what was then known as Bucks Row and is now Durward Street mm -hmm. in Whitechapel. Her throat was severed by two cuts, one of which was so powerful that it completely severed all the tissue down to the vertebrae. Wow. Her lower abdomen was partially ripped open by what looked like a jagged wound, and she also had several other cuts on the right side of her abdomen that appeared to have been made with the same blade and were all made in a downward thrusting manner. I can see now why we gave a warning for this episode. Oh, and it just gets worse. Tell you. So if, if that made you flinge a little, uh, yeah, you might. <laughs> you might. I. I I won't even tell you to skip ahead. It gets worse and worse and worse <laughs> as we go. Well, you could skip ahead to the ghosty part. That won't be so bad, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then there's Annie Chapman. 
The second of the, uh, um, excuse me, canonical five, um, she was discovered a week and a day later on Saturday, September 8th, 1888. Uh, only a week later. A week and a day. A day, yep. okay. Yeah. They found her remains at 6 a.m. near a doorway in the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street in Spitafields, which is like right there by mm-hmm. Whitechapel. Yeah. Same as Mary, her throat was slashed with two cuts. And now it gets a little bit more brutal with this one. Mm. You ready for this? Yep. Okay, so so her abdomen was entirely exposed with a section of flesh from her stomach being placed upon her left shoulder and another section of skin and flesh, plus her small intestines being removed and placed above her right shoulder. And when they performed an autopsy, they discovered that her uterus and part of her bladder had been removed. Wow. That's just creepy and just very precise in some ways, you know? Like, it's like, just definitely, that was purposeful. I mean, obviously. (laughs) So when we did the H.H. Holmes episode, I got accused a lot of being supportive of H.H. Holmes. (laughs) I am in no way supportive of any serial killer, but Jack the Ripper, I mean, he's a monster. Obviously. Total monster. Total monster. So one witness described having seen Chapman at about 5.30 a.m. in the the morning, and uh, she was in the company of a dark-haired man of shabby, genteel appearance. And Mm. that means more like wealthy and probably a landowner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the witness said that the man asked Chapman, will you? And Chapman replied, yes. Mm. Wow. All right. So you ready to keep going? Let's do it. All right. So we have Elizabeth Stride and Catherine, Catherine Eddowes. Catherine Eddowes, yep. Eddowes, yep. They were, they were both killed on the same night and discovered wow. in the Wow, so he's early escalating. Morning. Yeah. Discovered in the early morning hours of Sunday, September 30th, 1888. Okay. Stride's body was discovered at around 1 a.m. in Dutfield's yard off Brenner Street, which is now Henrique's Street in Whitechapel. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, the cause of death was one single incision across the back of her neck that measured around six inches. Wow. It had severed her left carotid artery and her trachea um but that's it though nothing else where jack the ripper usually mutilated the body of his victim Mm -hmm. this one was as if he almost got caught in the middle of the act Mm, okay so there were there were a few witnesses to stride before the murder with the guy um but they all gave different descriptions as to the person she was with Mm. So they don't really, you know. It, it didn't help necessarily. Exactly, yeah. Gotcha. So as, as for Catherine Eddowes, mm-hmm. her body was found in Mitre Square in London. That's the one you, had, you were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. 45 minutes after they discovered Stride's body. As always, her throat was slit and her abdomen was ripped open by a long, deep, and jagged wound before the murderer put her intestines over her right shoulder. So weird. The left kidney was removed and a huge part of her uterus had been removed. Her face was also disfigured. Her nose was severed. 
Her cheek was slashed in cuts measuring a quarter of an inch and a half an inch were vertically incised through each of her eyelids. There was also a triangular incision which pointed towards her eye and it, they had also been cut onto each one of her cheeks. So the police surgeon who conducted this post-mortem uh, upon Edo's body stated that in his opinion, these mutilations would have taken at least five minutes to complete. I would think at least five minutes. Jeez, yeah. he did a lot. I can see though, like, I mean, I'm not sure, maybe I'll I'm sure talk about this later, but like, I could just see there being like a lot of weird theories that are like, um, almost like Satanists or something weird. Cause it's like, Oh, there's triangles and they were, yeah. you know, putting the, I mean, I could just see how well, people could speculate about this forever. Spoiler alert. Some people think it was the Freemasons. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyways, so as far as crazy. as far as witnesses, uh, there was a cigarette salesman named Joseph um, Londi. Uh, he said he saw a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with a woman that night. Um, that might have been Edo's. I'm sorry, but the two friends that Joseph was with at the time would not confirm that description. Mm. So both Stride and Edo's became known as the double event. So there was a piece of physical evidence, though, in this particular time. Okay. It was a section of Edo's bloodied apron, and it was found at the entrance to a tenement in Golston Street. Hmm. Directly above it was an inscription upon the wall, and the inscription read something like this. The Jews are the men that will be that will be named for nothing. Although there are some misspellings uh, when it said Jews, it didn't, they, mm. they've misspelled it. So it's hard to be sure um, if it, if it was, um, you know, exactly what, what it's meaning meant, gotcha. but it was probably anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. And also we are not sure if it was written by the murderer or that it was already there. And oh. that, particular piece of her apron fell off there. Gotcha. Um, also graffiti was a common thing in Whitechapel. I mean, obviously it's a, you know, there was a lot of crime there, so mm -hmm. there was a lot of graffiti. Yeah, sure. Could have already been there. Yep. And police commissioner Charles Warren feared that the graffiti might spark some anti-Semitic riots so he ordered that the writing be washed away before dawn. Oh, even though it could have been evidence that they could have used for handwriting or something. Yep, exactly. Wow. All right. So now we are at the last of the canonical five. Um, and this one was the worst as far as the people that they believe Jack the Ripper um, killed. Wow. It's going to get worse. Okay, here we go. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, so... It was the most extensively mutilated and disemboweled body. It was Mary Jane Kelly. The body was discovered at 10.45 a.m. on Friday, November 9th, 1888. She was found in, in the room where she lived at 13 Miller's Court off uh, Dorset Street, Spitfields, Spitalfields. The first thing you'll notice, though, if you look at the picture, is that you cannot really make out her face. There's a picture? 
There is a picture, and I know we don't want to put it up on Ghostly's site, but can you at least put the link to the picture? I will put a link to the picture, but yeah, I don't want anyone to have so, see it if they're not choosing to see it. If, well, if they're not prepared to see it. Prepared yeah. to see it, yeah. So if you click on the link in the show note for this one, you will be taken to the picture, and it is, you know, actually, I didn't find it that gruesome because it's it's like black and white, and it's hard to make out all the details, so... Mm. Which is kind of sad that it's like if you almost can't tell it's a person. Yeah. Also, you know? when I was in when I was in um, when I was a criminal justice major, I saw some pretty brutal pictures. There was mm-hmm. a woman that was put in a suitcase. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Right? Um, so okay. So as I said, the first thing that you'll notice is you can't really make out her face, uh, but that's because it was hacked up beyond all recognition. Mm. Her throat was severed down to the spine. Wow. And the abdomen was almost completely emptied of all of its organs. Her uterus, kidneys, and one, um, I don't even know what that that one is there. (laughs) So they were both placed beneath her head and her guts Mm. were were thrown about the bed and upon a bedside table. The heart. The heart was missing and never recovered. Wow. It was impossible to tell which direction these incisions were made. I know I had said before they were made with like this kind of mm-hmm. thing, but this one, it was impossible. Wow. So this was the most brutal. Some things to note about the canonical five, though. All of them were done at night. Makes sense, right? Yeah. All of them occurred on a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Okay. All of them were done at the end of the month or a week or so after. Okay. And the mutilations be- became increasingly severe as the murders proceeded. Okay. So it gives us some idea of some stuff, and we're, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. It is interesting because Mary Kelly was so, I mean, that he just, it's like he took his time with that one. Oof. There might have been a reason for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Again, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Um, Mary Jane Kelly is generally considered to be Ripper's final victim. And it's assumed that the crimes ended because of the culprit's death or imprisonment or institutionalization or, or immigration. They don't know because we don't know who it was. So they think like, right. Okay. I gotcha. Like it was, it wasn't that he chose to stop or whatever. It was just, but maybe something happened or he left or, Okay. Or there might have been a reason. Yeah, yeah, okay. Which, when I get into who we, who like who the main suspects are, we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. So then, there are still more in the Whitechapel, um, Whitechapel murders, and some people believe that Jack the Ripper could have been responsible for some of these. So it's important that we go through them. There was Rose Milet. She was found in Clark's dark. Uh, High Street on December 20th, 1888. She had been strangled and there were no signs of struggle. And the police believed that she had either accidentally hanged herself Mm -hmm. with her collar while in a drunken stupor or that she committed suicide. Mm. This really doesn't seem like Jack's doing to me. Uh, Do you? you No. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. Mm. Yeah. It's just not his style, right? Yeah. So then we have Alice McKenzie. 
She was killed in Castle Alley, Whitechapel, on July 17, 1889. Her left carotid artery had been severed, so that happened before with one of Jack's killers. Mm -hmm. But there were a lot of bruises and cuts on her body. And I'm not sure how I feel about this one because it could have been Jack or it could have been a copycat killer that wasn't as good at doing mm. this as Jack. The bruises are what, what, what I find out about this. Uh, he never really had to struggle with his former victims. Mm. This one was like a struggle to him. Okay. Yeah. So you, you ready for this next one? It's going to get a little bit more. Y okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, on September 10th, 1889, there was a headless and legless torso of an unidentifiable woman discovered beneath the railway in Pynchon Street. It had been nicknamed the Pynchon Street Torso. Oh, jeez. And it appears that this person was killed elsewhere and that the body parts were probably placed out in different locations, although they have never been found. They only found the torso. Yeah, and there's actually a couple of torso killings around this time, too, that they actually called it, like, the torso mystery mm. or something like that. Wow. So I don't believe that this is Jack either. Okay. Um, so the last of the Whitechapel murders is Frances Coles. She was 25 years old. Her body was found on February 13th, 1891, beneath the railway arch at Swallow Gardens in Whitechapel. Her throat had been cut but her body had not been mutilated. Mm. James Thomas Sadler was seen earlier with her and was arrested, and they believed him to be Jack the Ripper for some time, hmm. but there was not enough evidence to convict him, and he was released on March 3rd, 1891. So less than a month later, he was released. Okay. Hmm. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about the psychological profile. Okay. And I found uh, all of this information on one of my favorite sites, HowStuffWorks.com. Oh, that is a good website. Yeah. Do you want to read the psychological profile and the physical profile? Sure. Sure. Okay. Let's try to figure out who would do these horrible things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, in 1988, the FBI created a psychological profile of Jack the Ripper. Special Agent John Douglas, one of my favorites. Yeah. On the um, side, he's like a hero of mine. I love John Douglas. John if Douglas you, is awesome. You should check out his books. Uh, okay. Special Agent John Douglas concluded that the Ripper was an opportunistic killer. He preyed on alcoholic prostitutes because they were easy targets. Douglas also believed that the Ripper committed other crimes that were never definitively attributed to him. Jack was a lust killer, meaning that the focus of his ritual mutilations were the female genitalia. This doesn't mean the murders were sexual. There's no evidence the Ripper engaged in sex with any of his victims before or after the, their murders, although the agent believes Jack frequented prostitutes. Rather, the mutilations suggest he was acting out violent fantasies aimed toward his mother. His mother likely provided the image Jack had of women, one which he, which he came to despise. She might have been an alcoholic and possibly a prostitute herself. Modern investigation has given us a clearer picture of Jack the Ripper, but this wasn't the case in 1888. There's a little bit more here. Um, based on historic witness accounts, modern investigators at Scotland Yard compiled a physical description of the killer in 2006. 
He was a man between 25 and 35 years of age, of medium height and stocky build. Investigators also concluded that Jack was a resident of Whitechapel and, more chillingly, that he was frighteningly normal, as opposed to the raving, drooling fiend meant it may be more comforting to imagine. Yeah. Uh, So what I was going to say, though, is... Uh, I think the reason why Douglas believed that he did see prostitutes before mm-hmm. is because they all felt comfortable going with him. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's a good, I, that's a good point. So, yeah. And this he wasn't a stranger know, or something. No. And he looked normal. I think wasn't Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde based upon Jack the Ripper. I don't know. I should know. I that, thought it was, but I don't I, could be, I could be totally wrong. I'm going to say yes. So, <laughs> you're going to say yes. <laughs> but he was the fiend that killed things in London. It was like the monster, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. So now is the part that we have been building up for. It's mm-hmm. the possible suspects of who could have been Jack the Ripper. <laughs> There's a lot of possible suspects. And as many as 170 have been named over the years. That's crazy. 170. So I'm not going to go through all 170. Oh, okay. We're going to stop at like 155. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just going to go through a couple of the major ones. Okay. Because some have been proven more controversial, such as Jill the Ripper. Uh Uh-huh. Which uh, which was that Jack was not a man at all. Also, uh, there are some conspiracy theories that suggest that it was the entire royal family. Or Freemasons were behind the killings. Mm. So Ripperologists. I love that they have a name. (laughs) They do, yeah. They have vetted a lot of these out, so they did a lot of the work for me already. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Michael Ostrog. Mm -hmm. He was a Russian physician. So we love the idea that they're physicians. The idea is that uh, obviously whoever did all these incisions was very skilled. Mm. My thought is that it could have been either a physician mm-hmm. or it could have been a hunter. Oh. Because okay. a hunter would know how to clean out the body. That's like preparing it for cooking and stuff. I was just going to say hunter or like someone that works with meat packing or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Or a butcher or something. A butcher. And obviously had like a knife that could do this. There, there is a lot of talk that this was a, this was a good knife. Uh, mm. That it was. But. You know, we were watching that show. Well, we're going to talk about it later. But there was a show where we saw that they went over stuff. And this was a this was this was something that cost a little bit of money. But it was something that could have possibly um, been bought at that time. Okay. Um, so, okay. So here are some of the possible suspects. Um, Montague John Drute. He's a Mont- physician. Okay. <laughs> Montague, right? Yeah, no, no, Montague. It's just funny because it almost looks like Montague, which is like from Romeo and Juliet. It's just, yeah. It could have been. It could have been Montague. Maybe I just mistyped that. No, no, I'm sure that's what it is. It's weird. Montague, John Drute. He was a physician that was found drowned in the Thames the following December. And this fits the idea that the killings ended due to the death or or incarceration of the murderer. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I think now, it's the this, Thames. Is this the Thames? Oh, it could be. Yeah, it could. Be. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. No, I actually I always question that whenever I see it. So, yeah. anyways, okay. Then there was George Chapman, aka Severin Klauski. That sounds right. Okay. He was named in 1903 press uh, interview by Frederick George Aberline, who was the lead inspector on the case. Oh, okay. He was the only suspect who had been a serial killer prior to this. Oh. But he used poison to murder his three wives. Mm. So now to go back to it, though, he did, however, attack his first wife with a knife, but Mm. was interrupted before he could harm her. He he did have a regular job, so fits with the physical description, mm-hmm. um, and was a trained physician as well. Uh, okay. So this one is on the top of my list. Ooh, I'm paying attention. Reason then. why is in 2007, a researcher named Russell Edwards purchased a stained silk shawl that was supposedly owned by Catherine Eddowes and was found with her body. Edwards gave it to a biochemist at Liverpool named John Moores, who tested it for DNA evidence. And based on the, re- based on the results, Edward identified Chapman as the killer in his book, naming Jack the Ripper, or that's the name of the book, Naming mm-hmm. Jack the Ripper. And that was written in 2014. Uh, this has also been peer-reviewed by, can you say that one? I can't say Luhalian it. then? Lou Hellion and colleague David Miller. I could say David Miller. Yes, yes. In the Journal of Forensic Sciences, you know, one of my favorite magazines. Obviously, you read it all the time. I do, yeah. I have it on my, on my bedstand. <laughs> but people do not totally believe this because it used mitochondrial DNA, uh, which uses genetic material inherited from a person's mother and compared it with Eddowes and Chapman's um, descendants. Okay. I was wondering what they were comparing it to. Okay. Yeah. But they also said, given uh, the DNA, that uh, the killer had brown hair and brown eyes, which went along with what some of the witnesses claimed. Okay. Well, he's a good candidate. Yeah, he definitely is. Uh, next up is Dr. Francis J. Tumblety. Nice. I like these British names. Tumblety Tumblata. Life <laughs> goes on. Uh, he was an American doctor. It wasn't an English name. Oh, an okay. Who he'd been arrested in November of, of 1888 for indecency. Mm-hmm. Um, he posted bail and then fled back to the U.S., so Scotland Yards realized he was a doctor and that, you know, he was around during that time. Uh, so they, they actually followed him to the U.S., but didn't find enough evidence to convict him. Okay. Then there's Joseph Barnett. This one is, I've alluded to this one already. Okay. This one is very interesting to me. I didn't know about this um, suspect. He used to live with Mary Jane Kelly, oh. and he was crazy in love with her. Oh. Barnett would have known his way around a knife as he was a fishmonger. Okay. It is possible that Jack just reached some kind of accumulation by killing Mary Jane Kelly. 
Huh. You think right. that's possible? I don't know. To me, it, if you if it was a passion killing, like he wanted to kill this person he was in love with, I don't know that. I think you would have just killed her. I don't know that he would have killed the others. But as we said, this could be multiple killers. I mean, maybe he's. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Aaron Kosminski, he was a Polish immigrant who lived in Whitechapel. He was mentally ill and had a great hatred of women, specifically of the um, prostitute class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, sorry, I said <laughs> prostate <laughs> class. Prostate class, yes. Yeah. The not prostate class. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And he had a strong hom- uh, homicidal tendency. Oh. He died in an asylum from gangrene in 1919 at the age of 53. Okay. And I have to bring this one up because I am from Chicagoland area. Yeah, we got to talk you. about this. Yeah. So finally, there was a show that I just couldn't stop watching called American Ripper. I watched this as well. Yeah, and it was on the History Channel. Uh, so everything on the History Channel is 100% fact. Aliens! Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, it was the descendant of H.H. Holmes, Jeff Mudgett. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the great-great-grandchild of H.H. Holmes. And they Suggest- did DNA to prove that he was, in fact, his, his great-grandchild. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, he suggested that it could have been H.H. H. Holmes all along. Whoa, connection between Holmes Two, and the yeah. Ripper. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And you could listen to our H.H. H. Holmes episode, too. We actually have two episodes on H.H. H. Holmes because it was just so much information, kind of yes. like this one. Yeah. So upon initially looking at the way that both of these people killed and the reason they killed, you wouldn't really see the similarities. But there are some. There's some big coincidences here. Yeah. Both of these murderers were really good with a knife because Holmes was trained as a physician. Mm-hmm. Also, the timing is just, it's just really weird. Because right when Jack the Ripper was happening was during a time when H.H. H. Holmes was not killing people because he was um, having his murder castle built. So there is some documentation which authorities have found tracking homes um, throughout the ages and stuff like that. But there was a weird gap between 1888 and 1889. Where they didn't know where Holmes was? They didn't know where he was. But also there's a shipping log that has a man named H. Holmes as a passenger who sailed from the U.K. to the U.S. shortly after the Ripper killings ended. The canonical Mm -hmm. fire. So the police also had a couple of letters that could have been from Jack the Ripper. The only one with which uh, has any kind of merit is the Dear Boss letter. This relates to H.H. Holmes in a second. Yeah. This letter was sent to the London media on September 27, 1888. And this letter made a couple of promises that were later acted out by the killer. Mm. So that's why it has some merit. Now, some people still think it's a hoax. Okay. Uh, this letter was also known, uh, was also how the Whitechapel murderer became known as Jack the Ripper. And it was signed off that way. Oh, okay. So do you want to read it for us? Sure. All right. Dear boss, 
I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about leather apron gave me real fits. I am down on whores and I shan't quit ripping them until them till I do get buckled. Sorry, I can't do this in a British accent. <laughs> no. Grand work was the last grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with, but it went thick as glue and I thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. Ha ha. The next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp, I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind giving, don't mind me giving the trade name. P.S. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha ha. All right. So they did mention about the ear and there was an ear that was removed at Oof. the next killing. So that's why they believe that there is some merit to this. And that's why they call him Jack the Ripper. Wow. Anyway, in, um, in the American Ripper, Mudgett consulted a linguist expert that carefully analyzed the letter. And this expert confirmed that various quirks of the language suggest that the letter was American. Wow. Yeah, like the dear boss kind of thing, just the mm -hmm. way that they said things. They also commissioned an artist to make a sketch based upon Jack the Ripper's witness testimonies, and the picture looked a lot like Holmes. I have to admit it did. I kind of remember that, yeah. But on the contrary, a lot of people believe the Dear Boss letter was a hoax created by a journalist. Also, I still believe that Holmes killed for money. But Jack didn't make any money on this, so this seems like too big of an issue for me to get over and to link them together. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a fun theory, but I just, there's too many, it, it would be, that would be crazy. And it, like you said, there, it seems like very different motives and, and different methods too. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. But there is a little, there is some similarities um, because I was reading that Jack the Ripper might have actually um, strangled his victims before, before mm. cutting their neck. Okay. But I, I didn't find enough um, supporting evidence to that. So mm. I, I don't know. Uh, well, that's all I have about Jack the Ripper in the history section. Uh, do you have anything to add, Rebecca? Wow. Um, no, you did an amazing job. I mean, I guess I would just say to me, it's just this is such a crazy thing because we will never know. 
Yeah. You know, you said that in the beginning. It's that there's no answer. I mean, we're never going to find like the evidence that says like, oh, this is it. Yeah. There's no smoking gun. That's like, oh, we found it. Like you might read stories every, every few years, right? A new ripperologist comes out and is like, this (laughs) is it. I have the theory. Like, this is the one we figured it out. Uh, It's yeah. But, and, and, and it's, it's possible. Sure, you could be right, but we well, will never be able to fully. Know. Actually, one of our listeners mm. had a idea of who this could have been. Okay. So uh, Rachel, one uh, of our listeners, and a uh, member of the Buy Me Coffee um, membership, mm-hmm. said that she believes Bob Anderson of Bob After Dark is what? a popular suspect. She claims that he is the Mothman. Okay, and that the Mothman is Jack the Ripper? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Well. <laughs> I'm just saying it. They're being... So, Bob, we know it's you. <laughs> he's reincarnated? <laughs> no, he's the Mothman, so he Oh, so die. he's just an eternal. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I think now would be an excellent time for us to take a break. Definitely. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about some ghost people. It's going to be really exciting. Or maybe not. (laughs) I mean, it's going to be exciting, but maybe it won't be about real ghosts because there's no such thing. So anyways, (laughs) let's take a break. Oh, hey there, Count Panic. I got a question for you. What's that, Bob? What do you know about Mothman, the Loch Ness Monster, ghosts, demons, and things that go bump in the night? Not much, Bob. Well, lucky for you, we host a podcast called Bob After Dark, where we talk about legends, lore, and the supernatural. Wow, where can I find this podcast? Wherever you find your great podcasts at. All right, we're back. All right. So I don't even think we need to debate about this one then, right? Uh, No, there's a lot to debate. This oh. is not over. It's still going on. We don't even on. know who the killer was, so I mean. No, but we know whose victims were. Oh, okay. All right. And let's... where these things happen, so. All right, let's do this then. If we got to <laughs> do it, let's do it. <laughs> now, there's a lot of ghost uh, activity surrounding this whole thing. Yes. Uh, if you If you research online, you know, there's even the 10 Bells, right, which is the place that I think it's Mary Kelly frequented or one of them or several of them probably did. There's a lot of ghosts there, but they're not necessarily Ripper related. So I, I okay. left those off, right? Um, so I'm, I'm just focusing on uh, a few, just a few of the okay. ghostly activity here. Uh, so uh, my first one, uh, and oh, by the way, most of this is all from the website SpookyIsles.com. Yes, that sounds cool. Yeah, it, it was. It was a great. I did a lot of research, and a lot of things said kind of the same thing. And then this one really was like, oh, I bet this was the source for all these other things. <laughs> now, so. let me ask you this: When you were over there, do you remember going to Whitechapel? I was trying to think about that. I spent a lot of time in London, um, but I don't. I don't remember being in Whitechapel. That doesn't mean I wasn't, but it's not a, it's not sticking out in my mind. Well, there was a lot of street art there. Yeah. That I, yeah, I don't remember. And a lot of cool bars, they say too. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I I went through Whitechapel. I didn't really stop much. I just saw some of the areas where none of this stuff is really up anymore, you know, but there's like a museum though and stuff. There you go. 
Yeah, I don't okay. know why I wasn't into Jack the Ripper at that point, but the, when I was over there, I wish But I'd... now you're into him, huh? Now I would be. Well, not into him. Don't put oh, words okay. in my mouth, but you know. <laughs> well, they all accused me of being a, <laughs> you know, being an H.H. Holmes supporter. <laughs> all right. So uh, one of the um, most commonly talked about uh, hauntings is okay. Marianne Nichols or Polly uh, Polly, she was yeah. known by uh, in uh, Bucks Row, now called mm-hmm. Durwood Street. You mentioned that. Yep. So on the street, kind of in that area, people have heard heard the sounds of Jack the Ripper killing Polly. All so right. they so hear it happening over and over again. What kind of sounds do they hear? So sounds of the knife and her screaming. Oh, okay. Well, Here's the thing. She wouldn't have been screaming, though, because that's the reason why he would uh, cut the throat. It would usually cut off the vocal cord, too, Mm. because of how how deep his incision was. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's the reason why they were never able to find him is because he he killed very silently. Mm. And the only like thing you would have heard with the knife is like a. (laughs) <laughs> that would have been it, you know. Or, well, <laughs> well, for the sake of time, there's there's a few other things in that area, but I think the most common sighting is people hearing hearing it happening in in that that area. Okay. All right. So, so what are what are your ratings of it? Okay, so my rating for this one, I'm gonna give it. I'm going to give this one a seven. A seven. Okay. Yeah. Cause there's been, again, several people that have heard it. Yeah. So for those of you that um, have never listened to ghostly before, we like to rate the evidence just to show that on, you know, we, we do have things that we believe and we don't believe and stuff. So uh, we go zero to 10. That's Zero is no way. Yeah. And 10 is absolutely. So for this one, I'm going to give it a, a zero. <laughs> Let's go zero. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, we don't usually give a lot of zeros and tens, but okay. Nick says I never do, but okay. I always give zeros. <laughs> this one is going to be a zero because, um, as I said, he was a silent killer. That's the reason okay. why no one ever found him. Okay. All right, our next one is Annie okay. Chapman. Yes. And this is in Hanbury Street, right? So yep. this was absolutely one of the most common sightings that I found while researching. Was so it a there, woman in white? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, but there is a, there was a house there, and for a long time people had sightings at the house. But then in the 70s, 1970s, it was j- torn down and replaced with Truman Brewery. And so to this day at the brewery, um, people see a, in the storeroom of the brewery, they claim to see a headless ghost. And, and then pe- but there's also been sightings of a headless woman, like before that, like walking by the house. Okay. So headless um, ghost. So my opinion about this is that he didn't take off anybody's head, although he came close sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't actually take off anybody's head. So um, there so wouldn't be a headless ghost. ghost. Uh, I'd, 
I don't know, but I'm thinking that they're that they're misunderstanding what they're seeing. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, but there was the torso mysteries. I don't know. Maybe I. But we're not. That's not what we're debating. Yeah. What, yeah. what was the, the whole question again? Uh, so the question of the, the question for for listeners to answer is: Do Jack the Ripper and his victims still haunt this earth? So if I could disprove one of those things, it still means that they haunt the earth. But you're saying all of them. You're saying <laughs> and. Yes. The word and in there. Underline that. <laughs> so all I have to do is disprove one of them. So if you uh, believe me on one of the points, then you mm-hmm. have to vote no. All right. So what's your rating of the headless ghost? Zero. <laughs> I'm actually going to give this one, I'm going to give this one a six just because it is low for me because it is a little weird with the headless thing. I'm not saying that there's not a ghost there, but I do wonder if it's really her and it's, it's weird because it's the right area, but like you said, she wasn't headless. So it's a little weird for me. So I'm sure there's a headless ghost there, but I, I don't know if it's her. Um, all right, here we go. This is the one that the ghost story was based on. Okay. Okay. So Catherine Eddowes, Mitre Square. Um, so again, another common sighting. Um, so it's always in late September on the anniversary the of her death. Yeah. Right. People claim to see Kath- Catherine's mutilated body where she was killed. So again, there's been reported sightings of this for many years. Two of the most recent ones were, again, the same story. It was both a medical student one time, and then a different time was a couple. That's what I based my story on. Saw what they thought was a bundle of clothes. But when they saw it move, they kind of went closer, thinking it was someone that needed help. But as they got closer, they could see it was a woman, and then, bam, she vanished. Okay. So, Yeah. And they maybe sometimes thought that they saw like a shadow running away, a shadowy figure. Okay. So I'm going to say that I like that there is a exact time. Like, mm-hmm. so it's on the day that she died on the anniversary of her death. On, on or around. It's usually right okay. close to that. Then I think this could be recreated. And if it's not recreated, and we don't have video and we don't have scientific proof of this being done. And we know about the time and we know about the location where it, where it happens. I don't believe it. I believe it's a homeless person just like I saw. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what's your, so, okay. So which do you want me to do my rating first? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so this one, I give an eight. An eight. That's pretty strong. Because it is the same time of year. I mean, if it, you know, if if there were other stories happening other times of the year where it was like, yep, someone's a homeless person and then they were gone, like that'd be one thing. But this is like it happens right at that time, and these are people that they, at least in, they say anyways, they don't realize that that's where this happened or whatever. But the, I mean that. It just gives it a perfect time period where we could actually track this and we could actually have scientific proof that there are ghosts then. And so we should go to London and do an investigation is what you're saying. 
yeah, someone should pay us to go to London to do this investigation. <laughs> I would gladly go. Maybe if we get enough, buy me a cup of coffee. <laughs> You're going to have to buy us a lot of coffee for that one. <laughs> and we can't go right now. Who knows if we'll be able to go in September. Nobody's going to see her this, this year. Yeah, that's maybe true. <laughs> okay, what's your rating? I'm going to go one. One? Okay, you've gone up. You've gone up. We'll give it a little bit more to this one. All right. But I still don't believe it. Okay. One. (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay, two more. Um, So next is Mary Kelly, another victim, right? Um, This is uh, 13 Millers Court, Dorset Street. Mm -hmm. Um, A woman claimed in a television interview in 1959. Oh, I thought she was in the television. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no. She this claimed is a... in a television. Okay. <laughs> no, she was being interviewed on television in 1959 that her mother moved into number 13 shortly after the murder and that on the wall there remained a bloody handprint that was cleaned off and painted over many times, but it would always reappear. Okay. So... Um... I'm assuming that the walls were white as given the time period and everything like that. Okay. So what I'm going to say is red oftentimes will come through white paint. Mm. Um, so if you have anything red and you paint white over it, you have to use like that kilt stuff in order. And you have to do like two coats of the kilt stuff before you even apply two coats of regular paint in order to do that. So I'm going to say that this could be true. I don't believe it. I believe it's a bloody, bloody handprint. Okay. All right. I don't believe it's a ghost. This doesn't say <laughs> ghost to me at all, but that's what I believe. I believe it could be a bloody, a bloody handprint or it could have been paint. It could have been left from the uh, owner before her, not Mary Kelly, but it could have been somebody did that just as a, Ha ha, kind of thing. <laughs> and, oh my god! It and did it in paint <laughs> from? Uh, I'm trying to think. Simpsons. Ha-ha. Simpsons. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I'm gonna give this one uh, another. I'm gonna, no. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say seven with this one. Not quite as high as the other one. Um, but to me, that seems that's pretty. That's a pretty big claim to make that they had this bloody handprint and, and they couldn't clean it or remove it in any way or cover it up. It but back. to me, okay. So if I'm rating that it's a ghost, mm-hmm. then a zero. But if I am rating that it is a mark on the wall that keeps coming back, a red mark on the wall that keeps coming back, I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. All or right. a nine. But it not just not. Ghostly. Nothing supernatural, nothing paranormal. Yeah, See, yeah, I I've done this before. There. Yeah, nothing ghostly. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Aren't we supposed to ring a bell or something? <laughs> I think so. Bob gets happy uh, when we do that. Yeah, he does. Uh, he likes that. Even on his show, he likes it when I yeah. say ghostly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've I've actually done this before, and I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Although it was black paint, and it came through. But I've heard red is even worse. Okay. So. All right. So we uh-huh. have one. <laughs> All right, I have one more. Okay. So this one. Oh, this is the doozy one I'm seeing. This is, yeah. So this one's from jacktherippertour.com. This is Westminster Bridge. Mm -hmm. 
And it's uh, the ghostly, the article's called The Ghostly Leap. Ding, 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 ding. I know, right? The Ghostly Leap of Jack the Ripper. Ding, ding. All right. <laughs> if you stand on Westminster Bridge on December 31st, and look eastward as midnight approaches, you may well be rewarded with the sighting of the ghost of one of London's most enigmatic criminals. For there is a local tradition that as the first chimes of Big Ben usher in the new year, a shadowy figure will suddenly materialize on the parapet and leap headlong into the murky waters of the Thames below. Legend maintains that this is the hour when, in 1888, Jack the Ripper killed himself by plunging into the river from this spot, and that every year since, his wraith has been condemned to repeat his descent into infamy over and over again. Okay, well, in order to make this kind of claim, don't we have to know who Jack the Ripper was? I don't know. I okay, guess they so, there's there must have been stories going around, you know. I don't know. Okay, so um, it really depends on who you believe did what and why did he kill himself. Then, I mean, he would have been perfectly the man that was that was the killer would have been perfectly happy living his whole life knowing that he killed the the people. In fact, he might have killed even more. He, I don't think he would commit suicide over this. Mm. I don't think he was that distraught. When, If you take the Dear Boss letter, did he sound distraught? No, that, that letter, no. Mm-mm. No, he sounded very confident about what he did, and he seemed to get off on it. And that's his psychological profile, too, is that he kind of got off on doing those things. He liked the thrill of doing it. Now, I believe that whoever Jack the Ripper was very well could have died after mm-hmm. November 9th mm-hmm. um, of 1888. Um, but I have no proof of where this happened, who it was, anything like that. I think that um, this is a big tourist area by uh, big Ben in parliament there. Um I've been there. You know, you've been there, I'm sure. I have, yep. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I can tell you is that there's a lot of shadows around there, too. Those are bigger buildings that uh, cast off a lot of shadows. Microclimates? Uh, not a microclimate. It's not colder. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might you be in the shadows. On <laughs> um, no, so... I don't know. They saw a shadow figure over there. Shadows can be a lot of different things. There's nothing else but a shadow figure, right? Jumping off into the river. And they hear it. Yes. And there's another thing where there's like a barge, that ghostly barge that comes by, but that doesn't have anything ding, to do ding, with Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> but that doesn't have anything to do with uh, Jack the Ripper. So. All right. So what's your, what's your rating on this one? Zero. <laughs> I'm actually going to give this one a five. Um, oh, I know that's really rating low. Yet. Yeah. Because while I do think it's possible that there might be something that ha- there might be some, some ghostly something that happens there every year on the 31st. Cause it's certainly a time of year when a lot of people, um, 
you know, are depressed and, and things happen. Yeah. Um, I think there's no way that we would have proof that it's Jack the Ripper. And like, you know, I mean, how would we, we don't even know who he was or whatever. So well, let they, me ask you something you know. then, since we're on that topic of um, you giving a rating of five that you've mm-hmm. never given. Uh, have you ever presented a piece of evidence that you totally didn't believe at all? Oh yes, I can't. We'd have to go back to the episodes, but there's definitely been times where we've we've had episodes even where I ended up thinking, no, this isn't true. Oh, it's, okay. it's happened. Yeah, I'm just just curious. Maybe mm-hmm. like the Easter Island disaster or massacre. <laughs> 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 No, I'm just kidding. But yeah. yeah, so yeah, so zero and five. Okay. Yeah. What are what are your over what are your overall ratings? So my overall rating, I think I was, I'm going to go with a six and a half or a seven because I really again I didn't get to you know I we don't want to go too crazy with all this and presenting all the little things, but you know there there are the sightings where the murders happened and those we know. Right. We don't yeah. know who Jack the Ripper was and we, you know, that kind of stuff. But as far as where the murders happen, there have been reports for a lot of time, uh, for a long time. You know, it hasn't just been recently where it's like popular or cool to like see ghosts, like all these years when, you know, it definitely wasn't a, an okay thing to see ghosts or hear things. Um, people have reported seeing and hearing things. So uh, to me, these were traumatic murders and it wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, um, so anyways, I guess I'm getting into my closing arguments, but uh, I definitely um, think it's more on the side of believable. All right. Well, overall, I'm going to give it a zero. Okay. Overall. Wow. I don't know if you've ever given it a zero for your overall. Hey, I'm a hardcore skeptic. Wow. Okay. I'm skeptic light. Remember? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But not on this one. This one, I just think that there's too much. Well, we'll get into this with the closing arguments. Yeah, um, it's, it's easy to slide into that. Yeah, so for those of you that have never listened to the show before, that brings us to the closing arguments. Mm-hmm. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are each given one minute of uninterrupted time, and we will time each other on our cell phones to keep each other honest. Rebecca likes to fib sometimes with time. Hey, no, I don't. I'm just going to make sure that I, you know, time her here. (laughs) So, Rebecca, let me know when you're ready. Okay. All right, I'm ready. All right, and go. All right. So, I do think that there are hauntings associated with Jack the Ripper and his victims. Uh, There is evidence that has been happening since the murders happened um, where people have heard things, people have seen things, um, experienced visuals like the handprint, uh, the bag, the, the body on the ground. Um, and it seems to me that it's very likely that it, the very least the victims are haunting um they're the spots where they they died in these horrible violent ways um now is jack involved in that you know i don't know it could be some manifestations of of evil energy that are there that people kind of interpret as jack um but definitely to me uh this you you can't have these violent deaths of these young women without there being something bam 
All right. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay. And go. Sometimes it's hard for us to separate very dark history from the truth of today. I think that's the case here. I think people that go to these locations where they see these um, the ghost of the people murdered, especially the canonical five that Rebecca's talked about, I believe that those people go there with the expectation of seeing a ghost. Any good investigator will tell you that you're supposed to go into an investigation not assuming anything. And it seems like they are going there assuming to see a ghost, and that's what they will see. Unfortunately, that's just the way that things go. Jack the Ripper was a cold-blooded killer, and people can't process that. And when they hear those stories, it brings back these dark memories that they can't get over. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, as always, please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best advertisement. Absolutely. If you really enjoyed this episode and want to give back, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com slash ghostlypodcast or just go to ghostlypodcast.com and use the navigation bar at the top to head over there. You don't have to do a membership. We've talked about the memberships. That's $5 a month or $50 a year. But you don't have to do that. You could just buy us a single cup of coffee or two cups of coffee and leave it at that. <laughs> uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, but please do consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, like the review that we read from The Skeptic. I'd love for all my skeptic bros, male and female there, to leave us a review so that we let our presence be known. All right, believers, let's pull it out. We gotta, we gotta leave, you leave a review. <laughs> I mean, we love the buying, uh, buying us a cup of coffee, but we know it's, it's tough times out there. So yeah. even if you can't do that, leaving us a review is worth everything to us um, to help grow because the podcast. Because it can get us more listeners. And yeah. more listeners mean more reviews potentially or more coffee. I love coffee. He really does love coffee. I do love coffee. Yeah. Well, I so, love coffee too, but yeah. Yeah. It's not our, quite, I'm oh, not quite ahead. as hardcore as you. I'm just, yeah. I mean, I'm skeptic light, but I'm, I'm coffee hardcore. Okay. <laughs> I'm into the cold brews. I don't know about you. Rebecca. I know. I like, I'm a, I'm a plain black coffee person. That's black me. coffee. Whoa. Got it. Just go straight. But cold brew is so powerful coffee. that I need to have a little cream in it. <laughs> a little Splenda in it. Little, little Splenda, little cream. Yeah, exactly. I got to keep right. the weight down, you know, I'm trying yeah. to lower the weight. Um, in our next episode, Very I am. Exciting. This is one that we've been kind of talking about again, like Jack the Ripper. We've been talking about this for a while. I've been wanting to do this ever since we were at Elgin Fringe Fest mm -hmm. when we heard one of our friends tell us about her experiences with sleep paralysis. Oh, babe, this is, whoo, baby, this is, it was a scary story. And uh, there is, there's a, this is terrifying stuff. So when does that episode come out? Uh, that one's coming out on April 29th. Wow. 
Yeah. I am so stoked so for that. So just when we're all having trouble sleeping, let's talk about sleep. <laughs> hopefully we could get her on the show. That is our goal. We, sh- we, we will hopefully have that for you guys. And I, I mean, I have to say, when she told us that story, I actually got the chills. Because this is not a person that I see as like a typical, like she's not a super believer. No, person. she's definitely not. You know, I wouldn't. In fact, she plays a skeptic on uh, the, okay. I don't know if we could say that. I was just going to say, maybe I'm not supposed to we say that. You can't say that she's on Freak of the Week. It just wouldn't be right. It just wouldn't be right to say that she, yeah, uh, yeah might be on a podcast that we're sometimes on called Freak of the Week. Yeah, we cannot say that. No, we can't say that. No. Because Nick Mataragas, who is not the host, by the way. No, he is not Dr. Not Hickney. The, he's not Dr. Hickney. Mm-mm. Um, they kind of look alike, but they're not the same person at all. Right. He would be so upset if he heard us saying that that Amanda was Elizabeth on Freak of the Week. Freak of the Week, yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't want us to say that. <laughs> all right. So until next time, stay ghostly. Bye.